Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Man, I can't believe it's Wednesday already. Like the week is just absolutely flying by. But anyway, good morning, faithful listeners. I am so excited that you are here this morning. We're going to talk about the rest of God's song today. We're going to finish up God's song. We're not going to finish up Deuteronomy 32 because there's definitely more that we can talk about, which we will get into on Friday. But as for the song, we're going to finish that up today. I've actually been really enjoying this, like talking about this song that God wrote. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. I didn't think that I would. (laughs) I did not think I was going to enjoy talking about it as much as I I really am. When I saw it, I'm like, oh my goodness, this is long. It just sounds like things we've already talked about before. But no, no, I'm I'm enjoying it. So I hope you guys are also. But anyway, let's go ahead and finish talking about this. We're going to discuss Deuteronomy 32 verses 30 through 43 today and finish up God's song. As usual, I'm going to be reading out the W.E.B. version this morning. Please feel free to grab your cup of coffee or your cup of tea and also your Bible. So pause the podcast to go grab that stuff. Of course, if you are driving, don't read the Bible while you're driving. (laughs) But I do recommend to anybody who is listening at work or driving, always go back and try to read the scripture for yourself that we talked about later on, just so that you can see and so that you don't just uh, take my word for it, because obviously I am not the scriptures. I make mistakes, so I'd love for you guys to read it yourself also. But anyway, Deuteronomy 32, 30 through 43 today. I'll be reading out of the W.E.B. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and Yahweh had delivered them up? For their rock is not as our rock, even our enemies themselves concede. For their vine is the vine of Sodom, of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison grapes. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poison of serpents the cruel venom of asps. Isn't this laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine, and recompense. At the time when their foot slides, for the day of their calamity is at hand, their doom rushes at them. For Yahweh will judge his people, and have compassion on his servants, when he sees that their power is gone, that there is no one remaining, shut up or left at large. He will say, Where are their gods? the rock in which they took refuge, which ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I myself am he. There is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There is no one who can deliver out of my hand. For I lift up my hand to heaven and declare, as I live forever, if I sharpen my glittering sword, My hand grasps it in judgment. I will take vengeance on my adversaries, and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood. My sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives, from the head of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, you nations, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries, and he will make atonement for his land and for his people." It's amazing how all of this was written hundreds and hundreds of years 
before Israel even fell. And yet you can see how in this entire song, Israel's history is completely summed up. God took care of them in the wilderness. They went into the promised land. They grew fat. In other words, they uh, they had their fill of food and comfort from God. And then they turned to other gods. And then after that, God made them jealous by blessing other nations. And those other nations rose up against Israel. Israel became destroyed, which is what today is talking about. And then God restored Israel. This was written hundreds of years before that even happened. So for critics who are like, oh, prophecy isn't real. The Bible isn't real. How is it that Israel's entire history completely is summed up in this song, which we know was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago, like thousands of years ago at this point? (laughs) It's very interesting. So anyway, verse 30 How could one chase a thousand and two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them and Yahweh had delivered them up? So basically like a huge nation of people, God can destroy them with just one or two men is what God is saying, (laughs) which is true. We see that actually happen in Israel's history. Also, God would like cause confusion to land on armies that were like going out against Israel And they end up like freaking out and either slaughtering each other or killing themselves or like totally leaving the area, like fleeing completely. I actually just read about that. There was a uh, there was a story about that in the book of Second Kings with Elisha, where Samaria was held hostage by I forget who it was, but Samaria was held captive And God actually caused that entire army to like freak out and leave. And Samaria, who was like destitute because there was nothing left in the city for the people to eat, all of a sudden had so much food because the army that was like encamping outside had left everything. (laughs) There was so much stuff. And uh, yeah, Samaria was healed in that like very day, basically, because God caused that entire army to just be basically uh, freaked out and destroyed. I can't remember if they destroyed themselves or if they fled. I think they fled. I don't think they destroyed themselves per se. But um, but anyway, we see stories like that happening in scripture often and being told about. And yet God kind of says that he's going to do that. For their rock is not as our rock. Even our enemies themselves concede. So even enemies have to admit that Yahweh is different from their gods. The one example I can give is King Nebuchadnezzar, the infamous Babylonian king who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. And when he saw that they got delivered from the fiery furnace, Nebuchadnezzar sort of, kind of, became a God worshiper. (laughs) And uh, he had to admit that God was so much more powerful Then his idols, who, by the way, that's the reason he persecuted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is because they wouldn't uh, bow down to his idol. So, yeah, even that is stated in scripture that enemies eventually have to concede. In other words, they have to admit or acknowledge that God is so much bigger and better than their gods. For their vine is the vine of Sodom 
of the fields of Gomorrah. Their grapes are poison grapes. Their clusters are bitter. Their wine is the poisonous serpents, the cruel venom of asps. So, you know, it might look like what the world has to offer, like this wine and all these vines of grapes. It might look like what the world has to offer is good. But God says their vine is the vine of Sodom. Of the fields of Gomorrah, the grapes are poisonous. So the world can't offer anything good. God is the only one that can offer good. In fact, it says in scripture that every good gift is from above. Everything good comes from God. Every truth comes from God. The world can only offer poison. The world can only offer bitterness and uh, venom is what it says here. Their wine is the poison of serpents and the cruel venom of asps. So why in the world would Israel want to follow that? Like, why would Israel want to follow the customs of the world instead of recognizing God, who even enemies have to admit is so much better than their own gods? God's like, why are you going after the things of the world that cannot satisfy, that not only don't satisfy, but actually destroy? In the end, they destroy you. So why in the world are you following after that instead of following God who gives life and truth and healing and blessings and happiness? Why in the world? And I mean, it's not just the Israelites. Obviously, people do this all the time. They fall away from God in order to follow the world. They like what the world has to offer more than God. And yet people eventually all end up conceding. They all have to admit and acknowledge that God is so much better than all this garbage that they're following. And I mean, it says in in the end times that every single knee, every human being on earth is going to bow before God and admit that he is God. That's going to be such a justice-filled day when people who persecute you or these world leaders who could care only about themselves or anybody else, really, evil people have to finally admit when they're standing before God's glorious presence in the end, they're going to have to get down on their knees. They're, I don't even know if they're going to have a, a choice. They're probably going to be so filled with like dread, fear of God, that they're going to get down on their knees and they're going to admit that he is God. Everyone will. So instead of following the things of the world that are temporary and not just temporary, but unfulfilling and filled with poison, like they actively corrupt and destroy your life, follow after God who gives life and blessings. Then verses 34 and 35 Isn't this laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense at the time when their foot slides. I had to look up what the word recompense means. I was like, what in the world? (laughs) I have no clue what that means. It means like uh, paying back. So vengeance is God's and he will pay them back is basically what uh, this is saying here. At the time when their foot slides for the day of their calamity is at hand. Their doom rushes at them. So eventually God's going to get to the point where he's going to pay back his people with vengeance because they've done so much evil and wickedness towards him and towards other people that eventually he's going to dole out his judgment on them. Vengeance is his and recompense. 
I actually talked on the the episode we did yesterday. This is so funny sometimes how scripture just lines up so well. It's not funny. It's just amazing. And uh, yesterday I talked about how sometimes, you know, people are like, God is, you know, mean because he doles out judgment. How dare he? And by the way, that my last uh, YouTube video was talking about that. <laughs> um, I, I talked about God's kill count and why it's a stupid argument. And people got kind of mad about it. But anyway, uh, yeah, people are like, oh, you know, God is so mean because he doles out judgment on people. But then they get mad that God isn't just enough at the same time. They're just like, well, all this corruption and terrible stuff happens throughout the world and God sits back and does nothing. But the fact of the matter is God says vengeance is his and recompense is his. Or I don't know if recompense is a noun or a verb, if I'm being honest. But paying back people is his. And that's mentioned many times in scripture. God actually says, do not, you know, dole out vengeance yourself. I will pay you back. Like, I'm going to help you. And God is going to do it so much better than you could ever do it. Even if you're like super angry at somebody because you were hurt by them. Just leave it to God. He will take care of it. Even if it even if it takes his own time. You know, sometimes we don't we want God to work in our timelines. <laughs> Super duper guilty of that. I'm just like, God, why don't you work when I want you to work? Like, why don't you just do what I want you to do when I want you to do it? <laughs> oh yeah. But God says he will do it. It'll take a while because God is very merciful. But God will do it. For the day of their calamity is at hand. Their doom rushes at them. See, that's the thing. Like, their calamity is not yet, but it's coming. It's coming. And it's not going to be good. For Yahweh will judge his people, and he will have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, that there is not one remaining shut up or left at large. So see, God is going to judge his people. And he's going to have compassion on the people who serve him. You know, there's so much corruption all the time where, you know, good is always called evil and vice versa. And, you know, the courts don't often give the good person what they need. But God is going to take care of all of that. He's going to take care of his servants and he's going to pay back the people who were terrible to his servants. He will say, where are their gods? The rock in which they took refuge. I like it here that the rock is not capitalized. In other places, when it's talking about God as the rock, the rock, the R is capitalized. But God says, where are their gods? You know, those people that were so terrible to my servants. Where are their gods? The people and things and idols that they put their trust in. Where are they? Because those things are not going to save them now. The rock in which they took refuge, which ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. So see, anybody who doesn't worship God is sacrificing to something else. I kind of mentioned that on Monday, and I sort of want to clarify what I meant. I was talking about how, um, you know, people are sacrificing in a sense to demons. If you if you aren't worshiping God, you're sacrificing to something else. That's what I meant. You know, if you don't worship God, there's something else that you are worshiping because all of us are created to worship, like literally. <laughs> That's what we are created to do. We are created to like 
worship and serve. If we're not serving and worshiping God, there's something else that we're serving and worshiping. And all those things are influenced by Satan because Satan is always trying to pull us away from Christ and onto something totally different. And God actually mentions that anything that you're sacrificing to that is not him is actually a demon. And so here's what he says. The rock in which they took refuge, which ate to the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering. Let them rise up to help you. Let them be your protection. So these idols that people are sacrificing to are worshiping, are giving their like best to, I suppose. These things have no power in the end. As you can see from Jesus coming down to earth and like casting out demons, the demons had absolutely no power when it came to Jesus. And God says, he mentioned, I I talked about this on Monday, that these idols are really demons, demonic influences. These demons, in the end, they have no power when it comes to God. And God's going to be like, well, what about them? Like, you were worshiping them for so long. You were sacrificing all this stuff to them. Where are they now? Let them rise up and help you. Let them be your protection. See now that I myself am he. There is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. So now God is talking about his power and he's saying, look, there is no other God besides me. That's what he says. There's no God besides me. And you guys might be be like, well, Jen, what about Jesus and the Holy Spirit? Well, that's all part of the Trinity. They are three in one. So they're all God. There is no God with me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There's no one who can deliver out of my hand. And then God talks about how he, when he lifts his hand against a person, there's nothing that can be done to stop it. If I sharpen my glittering sword is what he says, and my hand grasps it in judgment, I will take vengeance on my adversaries and I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood. My sword will devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the head of the leaders to, or of the enemy, I'm sorry. Okay, what's really funny about this is actually, once again, that YouTube video that I just did about God's kill count. The guy who initially, I think, the guy who initially made the chart of all the killings God had done in the Old Testament, he has a book called Drunk with Blood where I think it basically is just talking about how terrible God is the whole time. <laughs> and it's based upon this, this song right here in Deuteronomy 32. And yeah, that guy's name is Steve Wells, the guy that wrote the book. And it's almost as if Steve Wells is claiming that this is a bad thing, that God is making his arrows drunk with blood. What people don't understand is that this is not a bad thing. What about this is bad? Like, why is God taking vengeance on his enemies Like wicked people who killed and hurt and destroyed other people. God taking vengeance on them. Why is that a bad thing? Like why do people get so mad about this? This is talking about God taking vengeance on his adversaries. People who were actively fighting against God to kill and destroy and murder and whatever else. I don't understand why people act like this is just a terrible, terrible thing. When in actuality, in a way, everybody wants evil to be destroyed. Even evil people think that other people are evil (laughs) and they want that destroyed. 
Verse 43, rejoice you nations with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants. He will take vengeance on his adversaries and it will make atonement for his land and for his people. See, that's the end. This is a good thing. God is going to restore his people. He's going to restore the people that were so hurt. There's a verse in Revelations where it talks about like all these people up in heaven that are just so sad and distressed about like how the world is just killing Christians all the time. And they come to God and they're just like, God, how much longer are you going to let this go on? But God says that he eventually will take his vengeance out and he's going to wipe every tear from their eyes. He's going to comfort and restore his people. And in the end, he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the old one is going to go away. The one that we're living in right now, it's going to be gone. And the new heaven and new earth is going to be where we all live in comfort and in happiness for the rest of our lives with Jesus, of course. There's not going to be death and destruction. There's going to just be eternity and eternal life with Jesus and with all the people that we love who are also Christians. Alrighty, faithful listeners. Well, I'm so excited that you tuned into this episode today. And if you liked it, please share it. And uh, I'm really excited about all the reviews I've been seeing on Apple Podcasts. So continue reviewing. It's just an awesome way to help the podcast to grow and get spread to more people. So evangelize in that way just by rating and reviewing the podcast. Faithful listeners, I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Happy listening and God bless.